Welcome, everyone. This is Amy Wenslow with your product business podcast, the number one place for you to get the insights, information, and ideas that move your product business forward. Today's episode is from a live Q&A call-in that I've been doing as a public service for years where we have answered thousands and thousands of questions from entrepreneurs just like you, all creating consumer product businesses, both online, offline, and every combination in between. So grab a beverage, grab a pen, pad of paper, whatever it is you use to take notes and settle in for this part of our conversation. Hey there, everyone. This is Amy. I'm going to open up the lines. I see we've got a few people joining us already. So hi there. Who wants to say hello and where you're from? We've got somebody from Irvine, California. We've got Northern California, Canada, and New York, and more people popping in. So who's here? Hi, Amy. It's Glide Guy, San Francisco. Hey, Steve. So you must be Northern California. Um, You know, I'm going to put the lines on mute for a minute. We're in a second here. And I just want to let everybody know, first off, I so appreciate all the support that the podcast has been getting. We crossed a really, really big uh, milestone over the weekend on Friday, and I'm really grateful. Um, We are picking up new listeners and followers every day, and we have been hitting some really record numbers for us, so I appreciate it. If you haven't seen the podcast announcements yet, you can follow us on any of our social media. We are posting it everywhere. And you can find the Product Business Show podcast anywhere you find podcasts. We're on Stitcher, TuneIn, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, um, I think, oh, iHeartRadio, and another radio station, too. So the podcast is going up literally new episodes every day, and they are a combination of entrepreneurial inspiration, information about breaking events with products and with retail business, as well as my thoughts on entrepreneurship and capital raising. So I'd really encourage you to go listen to the podcast. It's been really helpful to a lot of people. So um, before I dive in, um, if you have not picked up a copy of our new ebook, Turn Products into Profits, you can do that still for free as a digital download over on turnproductsintoprofits.com. And we put together a really nice special offer for you along with the free ebook. So I would really encourage you to do that. Go to turnproductsintoprofits.com and uh, pick one up today. I'd I'd love to hear what you think. So tariffs are a hot-button question right now and a hot-button issue. So I want to, number one, give you the actual fact of how tariffs are working and how they um, function and and what you can expect to see there. And then really dive into this question of, well, what are manufacturers really doing? What's it look like in practical application? Because I'm fortunate enough that we actually get to see import invoices. We get to see what is really coming from manufacturers as communications. And um, 
so it's really important that you understand not just the political conversation that you hear out in the mainstream media and the political parties, but also what actually happens, okay? So here on the Product Business Show, we are about the pieces that move your product business forward, that move you forward as a creative. And to do that, I think you need to understand some of the business concepts that are at play. And tariffs are one of them. And this trade, quote, war that's going on, um, you know, there is a lot of dynamics to it. And so I'll talk a little bit about that. We'll talk a little about how some of the math works. And then I want to hear from you what you're seeing with your invoices, too. And let's have a conversation about this, because I think that there is so much misunderstanding going on, okay? So before we get to the part where we, where we all share what's happening, I want us to go over really what do tariffs do, what don't they do, and how does it work, okay? So tariffs, the tariff percentage that you pay when you import something as a business, okay? So I'm going to assume a couple things here. Number one, that you as a business have a product that you're making or you intend to make, okay? So you can make it in the U.S. or you could make it outside the U.S. If you make it outside the U.S., you pay tariffs and import duties when it comes into the United States, okay? The tariff percentage that you pay is based on a couple of factors. It's based on the country that you are buying from, also known as country of origin, right? That's the made in China, made in Vietnam, made in Mexico, made in Canada, made in USA. That's all country of origin. So country of origin plus the materials that your product is made out of determine the tariff percentages. Now, it's kind of interesting because when you have a product like, oh, well, I know Steven's product. Um, so Steve's product uh, from Glide Guides has different materials in it, right? It's got a steel peg. It's got uh, plastic parts. And so when you have a product that is assembled from different types of material, the percentage of the tariff is for each line item of the product, or it can also, depending on values and things, be the total tariff for the most predominant um, feature of the product. Now, what this means is that tariff changes affect the line items of a lot of products, okay? And so the way that the harmonized tariff code get supplied is based on the material of that component of the product, okay? So this might sound very technical. I'm working to be very specific for us, okay? Now, when you have an item that is made up of a lot of things, like I just said, you're going to have different codes for the different components. And those codes are related to a, a big, thick, massively thick book and massively dense code of here's what the harmonized tariffs are and here are the different percentages. This whole thing has been in a great state of flux lately. You've seen, you know, rumors of another um, $300 billion worth of Chinese products about to maybe have some new tariffs imposed. 
Um, that's on a particular category of product. And we have some statistics on how that will break out for the average family of four, okay? So you're affected by the country of origin. You're also affected by the material. And so here's how the money flows in, the, in deals, okay, when you're making your product, if you're making it overseas. Regardless of country, okay, this is not a country-specific conversation. It's not a political party conversation. This is a math of your product business conversation, okay? So normally when we are working with clients, we like to follow approximately this sequence of events. You're getting samples from your factory and you're getting price quotes, okay? That's the first step. Second is that you're going to place a production order, whether it's um, overseas, whether it's U.S., doesn't matter to us. But ideally, you want to do that after you have some sales commitments from larger accounts, okay? So there's a process to getting that. But the, the second big piece is that you place your production order. So the tariffs are either in your pricing or they're paid separately, depending on whether you're paying uh, landed costs all the way through to your warehouse. In that case, in landed costs, they're in your price. If it's landed all the way to your warehouse, okay, very specific. If it is FOB Hong Kong, meaning that you pay all the costs up to it getting on the boat in China, for example, Hong Kong specifically in that case, then you do not have the tariffs included in the manufacturing invoice. They are something that you need to account for in your transportation and customs clearance. So you would immediately see an increase in tariff rates. Now, so several different ways that this can come down, right? If you are paying landed to your warehouse in the U.S., manufacturers, as literally as soon as they got the notice that tariff increases were happening, within anywhere from 6 to 24 hours, they were notifying everybody across the board of price increases. This was not a, hey, we'll wait and see if we can absorb it. No, it was immediate notification that effective immediately you would be seeing tariff increases. We saw that with about four different products. And it was across industries, um, anything that what their customer base was buying. Okay, so samples and pricing is the first step. Then production order placed from you with a factory. If it's overseas and if they have tariff increases, they, they will notify you pretty fast. Um, then you're going to pay a deposit for the production order. Then the factory makes the product. Okay? Now, there is another spot where as a, manu as a product business, you may get affected by tariffs and not even know it. Right? Think about this. If you have a product that's, say, plastic injection molded parts and it needs metal for the mold, which it does with plastic injection molding, um, they need to get the metal from somewhere, right? And if the country that you're producing in buys the metal in from other places, the manufacturer who's producing your, your tooling actually is paying an increase in tariffs on the value of the metal that they're buying in, right? So they're going to pass that on to you most likely because they really 
try to not make tooling the way the main way they're making money, right? They want your production order. So you are probably going to unknowingly pay an increase in tariff for the metal to make your molds, to make your tools, okay? So they're making the product, um, then they're going to ship uh, the complete order to you, right? And at that point, it's going to go through customs clearance. Now, even if you're using FedEx, to ship from a manufacturer to you, there is a customs clearance process. FedEx frequently handles that. Um, they do have that function. Your freight forwarder is handling it. So there's other people that may be doing it, but it is happening, okay? So in their bill, you may see a line item for tariffs and duties. Um, they may be putting um, together a package quote for you. It might be in there but you will probably get notified of an increase. So when you are paying tariffs, it is on the invoice value of what's being brought in. Okay, so it's not that you're paying a tariff based on the retail price, like some people think, and it's not that the tariff is being paid on the wholesale price, it's being paid on the invoice price, which is usually less than wholesale, because if you're selling your product at wholesale and you're buying it at wholesale, you have a bigger problem, and we should talk immediately. But it's on the invoice value, okay? So it's a big distinction. Now, last October, new tariffs came through on leather products, uh, some fabric products. There's been increases on the metals recently. Um, it, it's a very, very liquid environment right now. And China has been escalating things. Uh, Mexico has been trying to hold the line. Uh, Canada is in conversations about some retaliatory things. Um, it's really becoming very divisive. So um, in actual reality, the bottom line of tariffs is this. This may be unpopular for you to hear this, but I need you to understand. Tariffs will not solve the labor cost gap between making in the United States and making somewhere else. That doesn't mean it's not profitable in some cases to manufacture in the United States. There are some products where the shipping costs, not the tariffs, but the shipping costs and the timelines and all of those other pieces make sense for the product to still be made in the U.S could be the order quantity, could be control of the production line. There's a lot of reasons, right? But if you look at the labor gap between manufacturing in the United States and manufacturing in other countries, um, say, for example, here in the United States you have to pay $15 an hour and you have a team of six people. Um, at, you know, a 30-hour work week, I think it was, we did the math and it would come to about $210,000 in labor, okay? Now, if you manufacture in other countries, you can see a labor rate of about $4.80 a day, right? So you look at the labor gap there, and the labor overseas could cost about $7,000 versus $210,000 if you're using U.S. production. So, so a tariff increase still doesn't fix that math problem, okay? It doesn't fix that issue. And it might be unpopular to say, but that's really what you're looking at. Now, 
the other thing that everybody's been saying is that the increase in tariffs will uh, have U.S. manufacturers bring manufacturing to the United States back here. First off, um, tariffs can be changed again, right? They can be lowered. Um, so with the new presidential election, the environment could change. Um, to move a production line, especially on an established factory, is an expensive thing. And so you lose production time. You, there's just a lot of upheaval that happens in a business when you have to set up a new factory. Um, so the bottom line here is that, oh, and I forgot to mention, on the tariffs, most people do not hear about this, but there have been exclusions that have been applied for because there is something called a 301 tariff exclusion. And 301 says that um, a U.S. company can apply to seek exclusions for Chinese imports, quote, if they could show that the products are only available from China, the tariffs cause severe economic harm, and the products are not strategic to the Made in China 2025 or other Chinese industrial program. Okay, so there are some some reasons and ways to apply for an exclusion to the tariff increase. Now, there have been thousands of these applications for exclusions, and Right now, um, the latest round of exclusions covers 21 specific tariff product descriptions. Uh, it covers 348 exclusion requests, and those exclusions apply retroactively to the uh, July 6 tariff impositions from last summer. So, so for everything that you're hearing about in the news with tariffs, um, there are exclusions available. Most of the major corporations have already applied for them if they were being hit with a tariff. Um, and it's so, it, so there's a lot of buzz around it, a lot of hype around it. And the results for your type of product and for what most of our listeners are doing is really coming with the latest round that is being discussed. This $300 billion is according to the National Retail Federation and their study, it will result in about $12.2 billion of tariffs being paid by U.S. consumers. And that is how it is happening. So let's be very clear. Um, manufacturers are trying to hold the line on doing increases, but at some point they, they can't because their margins are getting squeezed and they have people to pay. So that $12.2 billion is going to come through um, uh, if it's approved on these uh, categories. That's kind of the upper end estimate. I don't think it'll end up being that, but the $12.2 billion is on apparel, footwear, toys, and general houseware type of products. So if you are manufacturing in the United States and you're buying plastic packaging in from somewhere else or your company is, that you're buying your product from, you are indirectly going to have a price increase um, because your packaging is coming in from somewhere. If you are paying for tooling, you are probably going to have a slight price increase. They will do the best to hold the line, but in reality, this is kind of what's the way it's going to go. Um, the average family of four will pay an increase of approximately $50 to $60 per year 
um, for those products that they buy um, overall. Okay, so it's about 60 bucks a year. Um, and I, I just think it's really important for us to have a very clear conversation about this. So with that, I really want to hear what all of you are seeing and um, get your input as well. If you have something that you want to contribute to the conversation here or your experience, um, I can actually give you some case studies from a few of our clients. Uh, and you're on the phone line. I want you to press star 2 to raise your hand, um, and that will let me know that you have a question or a comment. So you're going to press star 2 to raise your hand. Now, before I open up the phone lines, it's very important to me that we keep this a, a clear forwarding conversation. This is not a political conversation. It's, it is strictly like, look, here's the business implication of what is happening in the economics of tariffs, okay? So um, I want to make sure that we're all respectful of each other's views. And uh, keep this, this inspiring and positive, okay? So you can press star 2 to raise your hand on the phone lines. And I'm going to go over to our, our webcast and our Q&A box over there, see if there's anything coming in. Perfect. Okay, great. Um, we have a request for me to share some of the um, case studies. Okay. <clears throat> we have a client that was going to do a significant piece of work with us. And that was uh, on a Monday at about 6 p.m. She was really excited she was going to get started the next day with something that they really needed. And um, the next morning, the contract hadn't been signed. And I was like, kind of wondering. And so I contacted her. And um, she was almost in tears. Because for the past, uh, let's say, she got a communication from the overseas factory. It was in China. Um, it's a factory that they actually own. And um, she got this, uh, this message. And it was basically that the tariff increase was going to cause a shortage of the metal that they used to make their item. And so with that, they were immediately stockpiling material. And they needed to move the money that was going to go to this other project to stockpiling inventory of raw materials because they were expecting that it would have the same effect as the trade war that happened back in the 70s where they saw a 30% increase in tariffs. And so immediately all other additional projects were stopped um, in favor of pulling back and protecting the business the way that they felt they needed to. So. Um, it wasn't just that the factory was saying that. It was, you know, the U.S. Um, branch of the business, and there was a lot of contention. They had been back and forth for, no joke, 13 hours to come to these decisions and trying to figure out what was happening. So there's one. I mean, that was a metals-based product. Um, the majority of tariffs seemed to be coming through on metals, um, there is some on food, and so it, it really is affecting a lot. So I want you to understand this, okay, that you are operating in a global economy, and you are operating in a global landscape, and that it's up to you to dig in a little bit. Now, how does this affect you if you're licensing your product? 
right? Because I, I see we have some people. Um, I know Kate is here from Denver. Um, and so here's how it affects you if you are licensing and you think that it doesn't affect you. You are mistaken. If, it, if you are thinking it does not affect your ability to license, it does. The way that it affects it is different, okay? So if you are licensing your product and this is going on, right, who inside the company that you license to is probably involved with new products? Um, the person who's handling your licensing agreement. And you are going to talk to them about licensing something and then they're going to need to put it into production, right? And they're going to need to decide where the product should be made and where it should be sourced and all those other things. Those decisions are being affected still by this country of origin issue and by the, the production factors. So we have seen a little bit of a slowdown in some licensing um, activity. Not None of this is all derailing things, and I'm not saying the sky is falling. I'm saying be realistic about, yes, when we get in, in trade wars and when we get in tariff situations like this, it does affect us. It does. And it's up to us to be cognizant of it and aware of it as business people. Okay? So that's the case study about one of our clients. Um, we've had some other places where we needed to raise prices on a product because we knew going in that the volume of orders was low at, at the beginning here. So we were keeping the cost and the margin really tight, and we kind of had to adjust it because just the economics of it needed to make more sense, right? So sometimes it will affect you if you're doing low production volumes. If you are an Amazon seller, as a great many of our um, people that contact us are. If you're an Amazon seller, you are probably going to see the increases come through and flow through all the way to you. Um, because of how it works with Amazon and the fulfillment charges and things, um, it's, it is still going to affect you. It affects retailers more um, because they get a higher increase from you and then they have, so it multiplies every time it goes through this process. But at the same time, um, I, I just need to tell you, the other piece affecting moving production lines that some people have mentioned, some people haven't. Many of the capabilities that are needed to move a product back to the United States, they're, like where, where is the factory that it's going to move to, right? Do they have the recent equipment? Do they have staff that can do it? And frequently, the tooling that you need to make a product does not transfer from one machine to another globally and universally, right? So you actually have to move your tooling, potentially do new tooling, train workers, get the production line up, all of those pieces, and there physically is not enough capability for all the products that get affected by this to move at the same time. There just physically is not enough manufacturing capability. And when this happens, because of the difference in the trade, I'm sorry, in the labor, you're actually going to see price increases there. So um, let's be honest, this is uh, a very uh, problematic situation, okay? 
So with that, I'm going to open up the phone lines. Press star 2 to raise your hand. Um, let me go back over to our Q&A box. Okay. So we've got people over in our webcast. Welcome, welcome. I really want to hear what you all are seeing. So anybody who's manufacturing overseas, if you have something that you want to say here, uh, please, please, please chime back in. Press star 2 to raise your hand. Tariffs are at their core protectionist. Now, to give you an idea of how comprehensive this is, I looked recently at uh, a document for the World Trade Organization. And so the WTO was, was putting out um, a document. It was for tariff increases from the European Union because we had increased some things with them, right? It wasn't a response. There were 17 pages of affected categories of products, 17 pages. And they were not big type. This was pretty small. So it's very specific when they put out these um, documents on what HTS codes are effective, what type of products are affected. Um, so I want you to just understand the dynamics. And it's very intriguing to me that um, people aren't mentioning that the ex exclusions that have been happening. And there are literally thousands of exclusions going on and requests for them. There was something like in December or October, I think it was 19,000 exclusion requests, right? So it's a massive number. And while we think that the, the tariffs are unilateral and they are, most of the larger companies are applying for exclusions based on that 301 section that I read to you earlier. So with that, everyone, um, <coughs> I think the phone line is going to stunned silence. If you have a comment or a question, you can press star 2. That will raise your hand. Um, so far, most of the tariffs have been coming through anything that is metal-based or has metal components and um, a lot of cell phone and technology-related. There have been some food products, like I said earlier. But um, this next round, this is where it's going to get really interesting. General housewares is in there, apparel, shoes, toys. So a lot of things that you all are doing are in this upcoming debated round. All right? So consider this an alert. With that, everyone, this has been our show for today. We'll be back in two weeks. and. If you have not picked up a digital copy of Turn Products Into Profits, I would really encourage you to go over to turnproductsintoprofits.com and pick up a free copy. Um, it will be available as a digital download for free for a limited time. And then watch the podcast. Listen to the podcast. That has been growing in crazy, crazy terms. We are up 2,000% in just the past 21 days, something like that. So there's a lot of good content going over there as well. You can find that on anywhere you listen to a podcast. It's the Product Business Show, and it's got a light bulb graphic. With that, I'm going to open up the phone line so everybody can say goodbye. We've still got a bunch of people here. So everyone, was this helpful for you today? Stunned Thanks, Amy. <laughs> I make everything in the state, so I don't have that problem, but uh, you know, it's good to know. Well, your manufacturers um, the metal, the metal pieces, and the Made It in USA initiative that Walmart is doing, 
affects you. Pay, look, look for that, okay? Okay, yeah, even the screws are made, made mistakes. So. Yeah, the tooling is where yours will come in and any packaging or anything like that. Plastic bags that you're using, those come in. That, that would be the only thing that would probably be about uh, maybe a half cent. Exactly, exactly. So with that, everyone, thanks for, for calling in today. I so appreciate you, your energy, your heart. I just adore that we get to do this with you. So have a good rest of your day.